Hello, and welcome to the God in the Wild podcast series on the Idlewild podcast channel. Today's episode is a special one, featuring several members of our community telling their stories of the Reverend Dr. Steve Montgomery, our retired head pastor who passed away a little over a month ago. I hope that in this episode, we might offer a bit of the connection we would have had were it not for the pandemic, sharing memories around the coffee pot before Sunday school, hallway conversations after church, or stories heard over a first Sunday lunch. We hope that these stories bring forth joy as we remember the life and legacy of Steve. Hi, this is Baron Boyd. I was on the session and several of us were asked to prepare some remarks to be given in honor of Steve at his final session meeting. I was fortunate to be asked to be one of those people because Steve and I had known each other for over 60 years. We went to high school together in Richmond, Virginia, and his whole family went to Grace Covenant, where my father was one of their pastors. I had not seen Steve since 1967 when I graduated and went to Rhodes um, as, a, as a student, and I reconnected with him when I came back to Memphis in 2012. Um, and what follows are my remarks upon that, that occasion, only slightly edited to account for the tragic events of a, a few weeks ago. I learned that Steve Montgomery was in Memphis from a mutual friend after I moved here from almost 40 years of teaching in upstate New York. A mutual friend had met Steve at a party and said that Steve recognized my name and remembered me from 1966. He especially remembered calling me and asking if I, a senior to his sophomore and a varsity football player to his JV basketball, would drive him and his date to the school dance. It was a bold move in the rigid social structure of high school in the 1960s. I said sure and promptly forgot about it. Thankfully, he didn't. I entered the doors of Idlewild for the first time since my baccalaureate ceremony at Southwestern in 1971. I wanted to assess how the intervening years had changed Steve not spiritually or theologically. I was much too shallow for that. I just wanted to see if he was fatter and balder than I was, and alas, he was not. Some things had changed. He was more learned and more deeply schooled in his faith. He had a beard. Somewhere he had learned to preach a heck of a sermon. But some things, the important things, had not changed. Even in high school, I knew he was a kind and gentle soul, and he still is, still was. I remembered him as a quiet crusader for racial justice in a turbulent South, a South fraught with animus and steeped in white privilege, and so he remained until the day he died. Mostly, I remembered him as a truth-teller who would not be bullied, not on the basketball court, not in the classrooms or the halls of John Marshall High School, not in the ultra-conservative precincts of the Southern Presbyterian Church, which defended segregation. Steve always spoke the truth, God's honest truth, as my mother would say. And he still did, leading us his imperfect flock, guided by God's grace and mercy, 
but always speaking the truth, even when people didn't want to hear it. We will miss Steve terribly, and um, I, I just I, sometimes I can't believe that he that he's gone. Thanks for listening. This is Beth Simpson. There's so many memories I have of Steve. Um, I hardly know where to begin, but perhaps I'll share one that I remember particularly. For a number of years, I led the Hannah Circle. We met at church in the parlor because some of our members needed access, easy access. Our group was a group of older women, and we met on Tuesday mornings. And frequently, Steve would drop by our meetings when he was finished with the staff meeting to speak to our group. And it always was a delight for them. Many of our women had no other opportunity to see Steve or to be in contact with him, some not able even to get to church unless they had were provided with transportation. And so having that opportunity to have contact with Steve meant the world. I remember especially uh, a meeting when we were celebrating our beloved Martha Wiles' 100th birthday. And Steve made a special point to come by and be a part of that celebration. And of course, it made her day. I so appreciated the fact that he was willing to take the time to and to make the effort to come and brighten those women's lives. Um, just one of many memories. Hi there, I'm Keith Cole. I guess you could say longtime member of Idaho Presbyterian Church. I want to tell you my memory of Steve Montgomery in a very special way that I think I helped bring Steve Montgomery to Ottawa back at the beginning of his tenure with our church. When Steve was being interviewed and hired as our senior pastor, I had the pleasure to serve as the chair of the personnel committee. And upon Steve's appointment, uh, even before he moved to Memphis, he and I had several conversations and uh, business to take care of before he actually physically came to Memphis, Tennessee. And so I got to know him quite well early on. So the day rolled around where Steve was in Memphis. He and Patty had moved over to Vance Avenue, not far from where my wife and I, Katie, lived on Benton Avenue. I think we even had dinner with them before he actually started at Idlewild. And so the day rolled around for Steve's first official day at Idlewild, which was on a Monday. And Steve goes out to his driveway to start his Volvo. I think it was an older model Volvo. I think I drove a Volvo at the same time. And his car wouldn't start. And Steve uh, didn't really know who to call or what to do, so he calls me. And so I drove over and uh, I think I gave him some counsel on how to locate the local Volvo dealership and get his car uh, taken care of. But in the meantime, he rode with me to Idlewild Presbyterian Church on his first day uh, at the office there at Idlewild Presbyterian Church as a senior pastor. That's a little known story, but to me it's a very special way how I think I played a special way, at least for me, in my role 
in helping introduce Steve Montgomery to Idlewild Presbyterian Church. That's my little memory of Steve Montgomery first beginning his leadership and stewardship for Idlewild Presbyterian Church. Sherry Gross and this is my Steve story. As we were going through the adoption process, Steve would often stop by my desk to see how it was going and to see how we were doing. He would give support. He would tell me about their process to bring AJ and Samita home. His face always lit up remembering the joy of bringing them home. That always gave me such hope and excitement um, of the anticipation of bringing my girls home. We arrived back in Memphis on a Saturday. The very next day, Sunday, Godney Gray McCann was to be baptized, and I was her baptism buddy. So I really needed to be there. So less than 24 hours in the U.S., our daughters were in church, close to the front row, no less, sitting near the baptism family. Steve looked them in the eyes from the pulpit, welcomed them, in Spanish, it was so comforting for them to hear his, hear his welcome in their native language. What a gift of love and expression of value to my girls. Sitting in a strange place, surrounded by strangers, my girls got a welcome in their native language, which was such a gift for them. This mama was so very grateful and every time Steve encountered them, he always made a point to speak Spanish to them. It seems like a small thing, but really it was such a big deal to them to know that they were valued and someone made the effort um, to speak to them in their language. I will be forever grateful for that expression of love and welcome that he gave. I'm Will Gibbons, and I'm a lifelong member of Idlewild. Pastor Steve's tenure at Idlewild began when I was a teenager and lasted into my 30s. When he started, I was an adolescent involved in things like basic and recreation ministry. And as I entered adulthood, I knew I wanted to be active at Idlewild. Steve's leadership had a lot to do with that. I knew what kind of leader Steve was early on during his time at Idlewild. When I was a 10th grader at White Station High School in 2001, I had a biology paper due the day we were breaking for the holidays. My topic was evolution, and I had not started the paper until the night before it was due. As I began working, I thought getting a comment from a clergy member would be a nice addition to the paper. So I picked up the landline phone and I called Pastor Steve and essentially said, Pastor Steve, I'm working on a paper on evolution and I'm trying to get a quote from local clergy on it. What do you think of evolution? By the way, the paper is due tomorrow. Steve asked if he could think about it for 20 minutes or so and called me back. Steve kept his word. 
He called me back with a balanced, fair-minded quote about the intersection of faith and evolution. A quote that I wish I could find now. As a 15-year-old, I didn't realize that calling a busy pastor at night, at home, during Advent no less, was perhaps not the best way to go about receiving help. But Steve accommodated me. That story shows his approachability and accessibility. Even as a new pastor at that time to our church, and even to a 15-year-old in the congregation. He stayed that way through his retirement, and we will miss him dearly because of it. Hello, I'm A.J. Northrup. I'm a third-year deacon. I serve the Joyful Fellowship Committee and the Cuba Committee. And I'm Chad Braddock. I'm currently serving as an elder on the session. I am on the outreach leadership team as well. And we wanted to take some time to remember and share some stories about our friend and our pastor, Steve Montgomery. Um, I'll never forget the first time I really had a lot of alone time with Steve was when we traveled to a Covenant Network conference in St. Louis. Laura Russell was along on that trip. And that's the first time we really had some off-the-record conversation, so to speak, about how the church was changing and how the struggle had really affected all of our lives personally, including Steve. How he had struggled with those things about inclusion of race and um, sexuality in the church. And I felt the first connection to him there as he shared stories from his past um, and saw firsthand his leadership in the na on a national level within the church, within the PCUSA. Um, I was very proud to say I was a member of Idlewild Presbyterian and that Steve was my pastor. His leadership on the LGBTQ issues his preaching um, mm -hmm. would just would leave us both in tears of joy and gratitude so many Sundays. It made us proud to be able to sit back on our pew, our pew, quote unquote, and just be a couple in the presence of all of our brothers and sisters, our, our family church, that Steve um, helped to form and create. Mm -hmm. It was just a wonderful and, feeling. And such a funny side too. Oh, mm. he did like him some glitter. I believe there's a glitter story there. So yeah, when I was before, before I came to Idlewild, just before, there was a... Uh, I was making him visit with a, me. A vicious, vicious rumor that I may explode into a cloud of purple glitter. I think you probably started that rumor. Maybe. Probably. I did. And so, it, as most churches, got back to the uh, head pastor, and that Sunday came where I went to church, dressed up, came to church, a little nervous, and after, you know, came out of the sanctuary through the hall by the TK Young Room, and there he was, and his all 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 of him was just outstretched, his arms outstretched, and he... Uh, he yelled for me, AJ. And I looked up and I was a little intimidated. And he said, 
I'm awfully glad you didn't explode into a cloud of purple glitter. <laughs> so that right away told me that I was going to love this man um, forever. The balance of his humor and his puns and his dad jokes. The puns. Along with such a steadfast Christ-centered leadership bringing all of us together. It, it didn't matter if we all agreed on the same issue. If Steve was in the room, we were going to talk it out. Everybody was going to be heard. Everybody was going to get a voice. And we would move on together as one family of faith, as one church, as one community. Th those characteristics of bringing both sides together, I think, are what I will take away from, from Steve the most, along with such a deep, deep love and friendship. I, I truly believe that he cared about each and every one of us. We all have that personal connection to Steve, and, and that's why it's so, it's such a big loss. It's so hard to put into terms what, what's missing from out of life. Because it's an everyday thing. It happened every day. Stories happened every day. Um, and that connectiveness happened every single day. Every single thing you talked about, said, it was fantastic. That was an atmosphere that Steve created. I yeah. feel like we have that connection. I feel like I have that connection. You have that connection with many of our family of faith at Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Our other oh, pastors, yeah. our staff, our fellow congregants. That, that atmosphere of connectedness and of deep-seated care for one another Absolutely. And for each other's lives. I, I believe Steve really, really created that atmosphere for us. It's unlike any church I've been in before. We've talked about this before, how mm. much of our lives revolve around Idlewild. It's just that important to us. Yep. It's not a place that we go and worship and we do service. It's a place where we want to get to know the people that sit across the sanctuary on a Saturday night at dinner over some fried chicken. We go home. We go home to Idlewild. Yeah. That's Steve often made that kind of reference, and he always kind of maybe looked at me when he said that because I referenced it as home. That's, and it feels that's what like I felt home. like home. And for the two of us that weren't raised in Idlewild and have very different religious backgrounds when we're together, to have a place that we feel like we're at home together is extremely important for yeah. our relationship, for our future and for the relationships that we have built there. We give thanks to God for Idlewild and for Steve. For Steve. Hello, I'm Paul Presley. My Steve story begins with another spiritual leader in my life, my Uncle Bill Presley. Uncle Bill is a retired pastor of Reynoldson Baptist Church in rural Gates, North Carolina. During his annual trips to his childhood home in Boonville, Mississippi, Uncle Bill would stay a weekend at our home. He loved to visit Idlewild while visiting with us. After one of Steve's services, he asked me, Paul, has your pastor ever visited your home? Probably too quickly, I answered, no, we are a large urban church and his time is filled with a busy schedule. My answer to Uncle Bill's question, yet valid, seemed hollow. However, it did move me to invite Steve to our home 
for a casual visit with one caveat, no religious discussions. Our pastors know us as a family that sits midway on the donut shop side of the sanctuary. They know our work on committees and casual times at Nakomi and men's movie night. Steve knew these parts of our family. Also, he knew our joy during weddings and baptisms and shared our grief during loss. So what happened? Steve drove to our Midtown home in Midtown Germantown and visit we did. It was a wonderful opportunity to know each other on a more personal basis and to learn of each other's other six days of the week. We talked about everything from high school years, work, my Vietnam experience, classic cars, traveling, retirement, and yes, even bicycling. Some experiences were similar. Some were very different. Our relationship went from friendly to friends. Steve was keenly interested in my knowledge of small Mississippi towns, especially in Northeast Mississippi. I have taken several Idlewild members on day trips, pointing out architectural details, history, cuisine, and my father's family relationships to these areas. Steve's visit will always be remembered as a special time. In closing, I'm sharing an email response from Steve regarding our visit. Steve said, our time together made my day. Heck, it made my week. Great fun, learned a lot. And a trip to small towns in Mississippi has actually been on my bucket list. Some might think Tibet or a safari on their list. What does that say about me that I want to see some small towns in Mississippi? We'll take you up on that. Steve, I miss you. Uncle Bill, thanks for asking that question. My name is Ann H.K. Apple, and currently I'm serving at Idlewild as the executive associate pastor and acting head of staff until a new head of staff is on the field and laboring. That's my fancy long title. But truly, I came um, to Idlewild as a pastor who was taking some time to be a mother and served as a parish associate with Steve for many years until um, I served as an interim for an associate that had left and then threw my name in the hat for an associate position and uh, was serving as the associate pastor for evangelism and congregational care before I stepped into this interim role for Idlewild. Standing on the sandy edge where the water meets land, the moon was rising full to our left and the sun was resting down to the night on our right. And we were there together, a group from Idlewild and Cuba, between the setting of the sun and the rising of the moon. Our day had started early with bread and cheese and mango and pineapple. Coffee came in tablespoon-sized cups. And on the tables in the open-air patio, Patty, Steve's wife, had laid out her angel cards face down. And Steve greeted us and urged us, take an angel card. There's a word on each card and no cheating, don't look. Just take one card and let that word guide you through today. I got joy, look, look, I got joy. (laughs) Of course, Steve got joy. Anyway, that day we went long and hard and 
you know, we were attempting to understand the church and oppression in Cuba and that alternative context. And this was our first trip to Cuba, and it was hard that first day. Really, the whole trip, we never stopped, I guess, kind of like Christ Church. But this was a dream Steve had. You know, Steve taught me about loving gently. We visited a facility that hosted therapies for children, and there were people everywhere, noise everywhere, motion. But Steve, he found the child's aid, you know, the eye, the, the playful, joyful connection across a language barrier and kind of politics. There was this one child, and he was supposed to be doing his physical therapy exercises with his physician, as we American church people were observing, nothing that would ever happen in the States. But Steve, he made faces with that child. He like cross-eyed, silly faces, and just connected in love and joy with that child. It was beautiful. But that same day, we also stopped at a, a old folks' home or a place where older people could go for the day um, because they needed connection, and it was a ministry the church was doing. And uh, there at that house, there was a liberation theologian who was a participant. And Steve sat down and he listened with this intensity that you could feel from across the room, and you didn't want to interrupt it. But you could see that Steve was seeking and understanding, and later he'd tell us about, he'd only read about in church history books. But as you watch, Steve would ask a question, then he'd sit back and kind of scratch his beard and nod his head affirmatively, but occasionally he'd throw his head back and he'd extend his arms into the air and do that guffaw, that hilarious kind of laugh he did. Anyway, when we returned back to our place, uh, we had dinner in that same place where we had breakfast where Steve had picked up that joy um, card. You know, we had dinner in that courtyard and then we had devotions on a rooftop. But in between uh, the dinner and devotions, there was dancing. And... Steve and Patty just took the dance floor and they were free and swinging and twisting and smiling joyfully, just enjoying the presence of one another and even the guitarist renditions of Elvis because, you know, they knew we were from Memphis. Anyway, it set the devotions that were up on the rooftop that we first had the hint of that call to the water's edge. You know, we could see the beach from the rooftop. And so we went. So after that long day, which began for Steve with joy and inviting us into it, it would have been so easy for him, his extroverted, introvert self, to leave us for his own space. But what he did is he came with us to the water, and we swam in those Cuban Gulf waters. And as we moved through the water, at dusk turned to night, the sea began to sparkle. It was the plankton flashing its luminescence. And it caught us all by surprise, joyful surprise. We turned flips, shared goggles, we swirled our arms and hands to see under the surface the light of joy at the water's edge. And there, together with Steve, we were participants in the mysteries of God's good grace and creation, starting with joy, catching a playful eye, listening with curiosity, dancing with love, moving in darkness, and learning light is there when you almost least expect it. Steve. He taught me much about Christ's joy and how to love gently. Hi, my name is Katie Jane Myers, and my family and I have been close with Steve, I guess, ever since he's come to Idlewild. So when I was trying to think of stories I just kept thinking of all these little things that you know meant something to me and uh, 
you know, maybe wouldn't mean something to other people. But I guess the the stories that I came up with are just about Steve's lightheartedness and how just being around him made you smile. Um, so first off, I remember when Jonah was born, uh, like right after he was born, I looked at my phone and I had a message from a voicemail from Steve and he was like, hi, Kitty Jane. Um, you know, I'm just here at Methodist Germantown. Just wanted to say hi. No need to call me back. Just wanted you to know I'm thinking of you. Bye. And he wasn't even going to come in. And so I called him back and I was like, Steve, are you really here? Like, please come see Jonah. And so actually Steve was the first person to meet Jonah. My parents um, came in right after that. So I feel like that was pretty cool. Um, And then before Jonah and uh, before William, really, I came home. I was uh, maybe like 28 or something. And I came home and Steve was over at our house talking with my dad and my mom. And I came in and my dad was like, oh, Steve, uh, I think you know the boy that Katie Jane's been dating. And, you know, obviously my face gets completely red. And Steve's like, oh, oh, who, who is that? And my dad says, oh, William Myers. And, I mean, Steve's just like, oh, my gosh. William Myers, oh, such a great guy. And I said, and then <laughs> I broke in and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We are not dating. We're just talking And at that point, Steve just lost it. I mean, he thought that was so funny. He was like, talking? What does it mean you're just talking? And I mean, I could have just collapsed on the floor. I was so embarrassed. And Steve's laughing and my dad's laughing and my mom's laughing. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. And then the last story that I can think of is at my dad's retirement, which was this past February, um, my mom was like talking to me, you know, we, we each come up with speeches to, you know, remember my dad's work and all that he's done. And my mom said, well, you know, Steve, Steve Montgomery has come over this morning and he's just dropped off this huge bag of, of things. And he's got this big thing planned and I don't know what's going to happen. And so my mom and I are all excited to, you know, see what Steve's got planned. And sure enough, uh, he, he, towards the end of the speeches comes down the stairs dressed as Elvis which uh, I'm sure a few of other others of you have seen him dressed like Elvis it's hilarious and he just like performed this ridiculous numbers I think it was like three songs all with the words changed all Elvis songs Um, and it was just so funny I'm trying to see if I can get it to play let's see if y'all can hear and now the end is near so I face the final drawing. My friends, I'll say it clear, I'll state my case for withdrawing. I've worked a job that's full, I drew new plans every day. Oh, <laughs> the that I built in my <laughs> Regrets, there's Georgia Tech. <laughs> but then Southwestern call. There's UT Architects. I found a career I was enthralled. I didn't plan each charted course, but I sang songs along the byway. Oh, much more than this, I built it more. Used to times with Jones and Ma and 
MGR, there were an authentiro. I went abroad, but I kept drafting, nothing flawed. I planned my buildings, what can I say? I built them all this work I've had, but now I'm 67. I'll read and play guitar and maybe stay up till 11. You <laughs> think I did all that and may I say not in a shy way. Oh, that is, it isn't me. I built it my <laughs> <laughs> How they will do without me there is anyone's best guess. But they will smile and I'll wild, for it is finished to rain. <laughs> oh, more, much more than this. I built it more Thank you for listening to today's episode, and thank you to everyone who participated by sharing a story. May God be with you in the wild.
My name is Ann H.K. Apple, and currently I'm serving at Idlewild as the Executive Associate Pastor and Acting Head of Staff until a new Head of Staff is on the field and laboring. That's my fancy long title. But truly, I came um, to Idlewild as a pastor who was taking some time to be a mother and served as a parish associate with Steve for many years until um, I served as an interim for an associate that had left and then threw my name in the hat for an associate position and uh, was serving as the associate pastor for evangelism and congregational care before I stepped into this interim role for Idlewild.